0: Excuse me, I'll turn that on now. If you were perhaps an astute observer, you might have noticed this morning that all of the songs that have been sung are taken straight from Scripture. The last one comes from Psalm 24. We sang the Lord's Prayer, Psalm 23. All of the songs find their foundation in the Word of God. Why why is it that we would go to lengths to sing? the Word of God to one another this morning. Well, we would do that because of the importance of Scripture and the Word of God within our lives. Now, over the past few weeks, we've been talking about at the beginning of this new year, spiritual habits, things to help us grow in our faith as Christians. we laid the foundation for that where Paul tells to Timothy and to us as well that, that we need to discipline ourselves for the purpose of godliness, that we need to train ourselves that we might be godly in life. And then we looked at some of those spiritual habits that we need to cultivate within our lives, gathering together with God's people, congregational worship together with one another. We spent time talking last week about the importance of prayer and praying for one another and what that looks like. And today we turn our attention to the importance of God's word within our life. We're in 2 Timothy chapter 3. Just a couple of verses this morning that we will look at. But if you've got your Bibles, go ahead and turn with me there. 2 Timothy chapter 3. While you're turning there, I'm going to tell you about a college student that I heard about. He was taking a course in ornithology. That's the study of birds. Why anyone would want to do that, I have no idea. But he takes this course in the study of birds. The night before the final... He spends all night studying. He basically memorized the textbook in preparation for this final exam. He knew his class notes forwards and backwards. He came into the classroom that morning, and as he gets into the classroom, he sees on a table there in front of him a row of ten stuffed birds. Each one has a sack over his body so that only the legs... Of the bird are revealed. The professor comes in, he tells the class that they are to identify each one of these ten birds simply by looking at the legs of the bird. He says, I want the name of the bird, the species, the genus, the habitat, I want all of the information that you can give me about each of these birds. Now, the only problem for this student was he had never studied bird legs. He studied everything else. But he knew anything about the bird legs and the longer he was there looking at those bird legs the angrier he got until finally he just explodes into a rage. He stands up he marches to the professor's desk he slams his paper down on the desk and he says this is ridiculous. How can anybody tell the difference between these birds by looking at just their legs? You are the biggest idiot I've ever seen in my life. And he turns around to walk out the door and as he does the professor, finally regaining his composure, he stands up and he says, you, you wait just one minute, young man. What is your name? To which the boy pulls up his pants leg and says, You tell me, buddy. You tell me. <laughs> it's hard to know something you've never been introduced to before, isn't it? It's hard to know something that you've never learned, isn't it? It is, very much so. And really and truly, that's the way it is with God in our lives as well. The only thing that we can know about God personally is what God tells us about Himself, and that's why it's important for us to sing the Word of God. That's why it's important for us to pray the Word of God. That's why it's important for us to read the Word of God and have the Word of God expounded for us so that we might know who God is. God is so far out of sight of us and so far above us and so far beyond us that we, if we were just left to our own reason and our own intellect, our own thinking and brain power, we would never, ever be able to know anything really meaningful about who God is. But God has revealed Himself to us. Especially has God revealed Himself to us in His Word given to us. Let's look at 2 Timothy chapter 3. Beginning in verse 14, and let's let's read from verse 14 down to verse 17. Paul writes to Timothy, But as for you, he says to Timothy, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it Now, it it is true that God has shown His existence to us in creation. The Scripture tells us that. In, In Psalm chapter 19, verse 1, the heavens declare the glory of God, and the sky above proclaims His handiwork. Paul jumps hold of this truth he grabs hold of it and when you come to Romans chapter 1 verse 20 Paul says this, for his, that is God's, his invisible attributes namely his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made so that they are without excuse so creation tells us that there is something out there, creation tells us that there is a God of some sort and what can we gather by looking at creation we can gather that he is strong he is powerful he is intelligent we can look at creation and we can deduce from that that there is a God who exists but beyond that our knowledge of God is limited we don't know who he is we don't know what he is like We don't know and can't answer the question from just creation, does he know me and can I know him? You see, there's only one way that we can answer any of those questions and that is that God must speak to us. He must reveal Himself to us because we would never come to an answer on our own of who God is, what He is like, if we can even know Him relationally in any way, if God had not revealed Himself to us. And thankfully, God has revealed Himself to us not only in Jesus Christ, His Son, but in His Word wherein we learn about Jesus Christ. And so, just to notice a few things with me this morning. First of all, to know God, I must look to the Bible. To really know God, I must look to the Bible. It's almost humorous to me. When I, when I look at the world around us and, and I see the hundreds of the, the world's space scientists and they're spending millions, hundreds of millions, maybe billions of dollars trying to make contact with life in outer space. Is there anybody out there? They build their massive satellites. They monitor sounds, hoping to pick up something from outer space, trying to hear if there is anything or anyone else out there. There is an insatiable thirst for a word from another world. We possess such a word. Not alien life at all, but life From God, the one who created space is the one who has revealed himself to us, and he has spoken to us. He's spoken to us in in a few different ways. As I already mentioned, he has spoken to us naturally through creation. We see that there is a God. The sun, the stars, the skies all speak of the glory, all speak of the greatness of God. But God has also spoken to us spiritually as well. Look again, 2 Timothy chapter 3, and how is the Word of God described for us? Look at verse 16. All Scripture is what? It is breathed out by God. The Word may be inspired. Uh, in in your translation there. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God. The word is theonoustos. Theos, the Greek word for God. Noustos, uh, the the Greek uh, form for breath. Every word of Scripture is breathed out by God, given to us, not because it's been made up by man, but because God has spoken and God has revealed Himself. In fact, the Apostle Peter says this in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 19. He says, And we have the prophetic word more fully confirmed to which you will do well to pay attention as to a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts knowing this, first of all, that no Prophecy of Scripture comes from someone's own interpretation. For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Now it is true that the Word of God was written down by men but it is entirely the Word of God because it is the Spirit of God that inspired those men to write out what it was that God wanted them to say. And so we have a, a, a natural revelation of God. The creation tells us He exists. We have a spiritual revelation from God. His Word given to us. There is a physical revelation from God as well. God reveals Himself through His Son Jesus, God in the flesh. But friends, the only way that you and I can know the Son of God is through the Word of God and God's revelation to us about Him and what He has done, what He has accomplished and who He is. In essence since this book is God's autobiography to us. And the purpose of this book is to reveal God so that you and I might be able to know God. And this book tells us everything we need to know about God. Tells us who He is. Tells us what He is like. Tells us what He does. Tells us how we can know Him. How we can know Him personally. Because you see, it's not enough to simply know about God. There's a vast difference between knowing about God and knowing God. And this is a downfall for so many of us. We, We have come across this notion that information for the sake of information is good. And it's not. It is what we do with that information and the application of that knowledge that makes the difference within our lives. The goal is not simply information. The goal is transformation as God's Word through God's Spirit works in your heart and in your life. It's when you read the Bible, when you study the Bible, when you understand the Bible, that you begin to know God and live the life that God wants you to live. So first of all, to know God, I must look to the Bible. Secondly, to grow in God, I must learn the Bible. To grow in God, I must learn the Bible. Because listen, God not only wants us to know Him, He wants our knowledge of Him to increase throughout life. Listen to what Paul says in Colossians. Colossians chapter 1. So as, he tells us that that he wants us to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to Him, bearing fruit in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God increasing in the knowledge of God. See, here's here's the danger. Here's the problem. Some of you today are living with the same knowledge of God that you've had for 10, 15, 20 years. You've not discovered more about who He is. You've not been a student of His Word, discovering more and more His great love for you. It's kind of like, well, I've gotten salvation and that's plenty, I don't need anything else. That's not the way God wants us to live our lives. We have to learn about Him and grow in Him. You go back to our text again. All Scripture is breathed out by God, given as though God Himself were writing it. Those writers wrote precisely what God wanted them to write without error. Why? Because God is without error. And it is God's personal word to us, God's perfect word for us. And the Bible contains what we need to know about how to know God, how to live for God, how to please God. It's an interesting warning that we find in Scripture. Three different times we find this this warning in Scripture. Back in the Old Testament in Deuteronomy chapter 4, then about midway through the book in Proverbs chapter 30, verse 6, and then finally in Revelation chapter 22, God gives this same warning on three different occasions within His Word. And it is this, do not add to my word, do not take away from my word. In our translations of Scripture, we find at the beginning, the middle, and the end. The establishment of God's people, he warns them, do not add anything to my word nor subtract from my word. In the wisdom literature to God's people, he says, don't add or subtract from my word. And then in the final portion of Scripture, he says, when all is said and done, don't add or subtract to my word. Because, friends, the more you learn the Bible, the more you learn about God. The more you learn about God, the more you love God. The more you love God, the more you trust God. The more you trust God, the more you please God. The more you please God, the more He reveals Himself to you. And So this is why. Josh Josh mentioned our groups earlier today. This is why we have a focus on these groups. The learn groups that that meet every Sunday morning to learn the faith. The live groups where we're in one another's homes spending time in community with each other where we might apply these truths that we have learned in life. And then these lead groups where we're leading others in the faith, all of them based upon the Word of God. Why? Because it's the Word of God we need to know. That's where we need to put our lives. So first of all, to know God, I must look to the Bible. To grow in God, I must learn the Bible. And then finally, to show God, I must live the Bible. To show God, I must live the Bible. To show God to those around us, that they might look at our lives, and through our lives they might glorify our Father in heaven. You see, it's it's one thing to talk about knowing God. It's it's one thing to talk about growing in God. It is altogether another thing to live those truths in our lives, isn't it? It's easy. It is real easy to show up, to listen, and to go out and do nothing with it. It's easy to gather together in a home group and to hear and to share with each other what's going on, then shut it down and everything go on like it's gone on before. It's altogether a different thing when you begin to live out those truths in our lives. And that's what Paul is talking about here. 2 Timothy 3, 16, all Scripture is breathed out by God, and it is profitable. It is useful. It is applicable. It accomplishes its purpose. Profitable for what? For teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. What this means is that when we get into the Bible, and the Bible gets into us, it will change us. This is the goal. Again, remember, the goal is not information. The goal is transformation. Have you ever met someone before, and you just say to yourself, well, I, well he or she, they, they, they've just got a head full of useless knowledge. You've been around somebody like that. They know all sorts of stuff. We say that about Josh all the time. Um, just a head full of useless. and know a lot of facts, know a lot of stuff. But if that stuff does not impact our lives and teach us and make a difference in our lives, what is the purpose of it? What is the purpose to know about God and yet not be changed by that knowledge? What, is it, uh, why, what purpose does this serve to know what God is like and yet not let that change us? What is the purpose of knowing what God expects of us? What is the purpose of knowing how we escape hell and have the promise of heaven, life in Christ, now and forever, if we are not willing to embrace and to apply that truth? The goal is not information. The goal is transformation. And God has given this promise about his word. He says, Isaiah 55, So shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. Paul tells us right here four things that this book will do if we hide it in our heart and we seek to build on it And apply it. He tells us, first of all, that it is profitable for teaching. The Word of God tells us what is true and what is right. The Word of God tells us what is true and what is right. Everything you want to know about what God says concerning the important things of life is found right here in this book for us. Everything. You see, the problem is what we have a tendency to do within our lives is we approach the Word of God as though it's some sort of self-help book. I've got this issue in my life. Let me see what God says about this. And then we just take these principles and we try to pull these principles out of God's Word. Principles that work, but only that work in the context in which God has given them. So we kind of pull this out and we say, here's my self help look for today. And it happens in far too many churches today. When when the Bible is preached in far too many churches, it is preached and it is taught simply as a book of principles. If you apply these principles, you'll be changed. And so we'll do a a series, five principles for a better marriage, uh, six ways to raise spiritually healthy children, seven lessons for financial success, four lessons on leadership from Nehemiah. And it's true that the Word of God contains many, many principles, but the main purpose of this book is not not the application of those principles outside of the context in which they are given. The purpose of this book is about knowing, about doing, about being right with God and knowing Him personally. So the Bible is profitable for teaching us, for telling us what is true and what is right. Secondly, we read that all Scripture as well is profitable for reproof. The Word of God tells us what's not right tells us what's wrong. The the word here carries the idea of confronting someone when their belief or their behavior is wrong. The Bible tells you what is right, and the Bible tells you what is not right. See, I found that, quite honestly, this is the reason that many people give for not wanting to embrace the truth of who Christ is. Because if I really embrace who Jesus is, then I'm going to have to give up this, or I'm going to have to give up that, or I'm going to have to stop doing this. They they weigh all of this out on an improper scale. The balance is off. Because, I mean, let's face it, does any of us here really like to be told when we're doing wrong? We don't like that, do we? No, we don't like that. We've learned it from a very early age as well. You try to tell a two-year-old no, you see what happens child crying because you won't let him touch the stove eye. Well, let him touch it. Fine. Learn the lesson then, right? No, 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 that's not what we do. That's abuse. Josh, that's abuse. Don't do that. Child doesn't like to be told no. But for the child's good, you say no, that's wrong. We we react the same way as a two-year-old child. We're told that we're wrong. But the word of God is profitable to reprove us, to say this is wrong, don't do this. But see, God doesn't stop just there. He doesn't simply tell us this is what's true and right and this is what's wrong. No, God loves us more than that. He comes along and we read thirdly that uh, scripture is profitable for correction. Not only does the Bible tell us what is right and what is not right, it tells you how when you are wrong to get right. It tells you when you have veered off path how to get back on where you need to be. Correction, to put, to put something in its proper condition. The word, the word is used for helping someone up who has fallen down. Let's write them. Let's put them back up the way they should be. You see, when you stray from God, this book will tell you how to get back. to How to come in repentance. And be received back into his love and mercy. And then finally we read that all scripture is profitable for training in righteousness. This book will tell you what's right and wrong. It will tell you when you're wrong. It will tell you how to get right. And it will tell you how to stay right. To stay where you need to. Because after all, it is a whole lot better to stay right than to go wrong and have to be righted. that's what the Word of God will do for you. The Word of God will train you in what? In righteousness. What's the goal that God has for our lives? The goal that God has for our lives is that we be like Jesus Christ. That we be conformed to His image. What was His image? Absolute purity. Absolute perfection. Absolute. Righteousness, And so God has given his word to us so that we might be like Jesus. In the U.S. Library of Congress, there are 39 million books in 470 different languages. of those books are simply the words of man. Only one of them is the Word of God. And that is the Bible where God speaks to us and shows us who He is, shows us who we are, and shows us how to get to Him through Jesus Christ. See, we'd never know how to get to God if God hadn't shown us how to get to Him. It's the Word of God that comes along and says, here's the problem. You are a sinner. And your sin has separated you and placed you under the wrath of God. And the only hope for you as a sinner is to receive the salvation that Jesus Christ offers. He came to this earth lived in perfect righteousness, never sinned, and he died on the cross to pay the penalty for your sin. And if you trust him, if you confess him as Lord, he will save you, he will redeem you, and he will begin to transform you into his very likeness. You know where we get that? We get that from God's word to us. We couldn't have made that up. It is only because God has told us that we know this to be true. And so we have the Word of God given to us. This coming year, develop the habit of knowing God's Word. Read it. Study it. Memorize it. Live it. One of of our Sunday morning learn groups is consumed with this very topic. Reading the Bible for life. How do you read, study, apply, understand the Word of God? It's a foundational truth in our lives so that we know what God says to us and what He expects from us. So this year, make it the habit of your life that you will know the Word of God. Let's pray together. Father, we're thankful for this day. We are even more thankful, Father, that you have given to us your precious word, revealing to us your very character, your nature, to know that you have revealed to us that you are holy, that you are just, that you are righteous, that you are forgiving, that you are merciful, that you are loving. Father, we pray today as always that we will be a church firmly planted upon Your Word and that we will be individuals within that church being students of Your Word to know what God says to us. Strengthen us to do that, Father, that we might know Your heart, that through Your Spirit we might discern we might think your thoughts after you, because your word has been hidden within our hearts so that we might not sin against you. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. I invite you to stand this morning as we stand, we sing together, and as we sing, if there's a response of some sort you need to make, maybe you'd like to know more about what it means to be a member of this church, we would love to begin that conversation with you. If you'd like to know more about what it means to be a follower of Jesus, why don't you just come? You can just step out. You can meet me here as we sing. We'll begin that conversation with you. If you need to respond, you.